the Lord is here. His Spirit is with us. Well, good morning and a very warm welcome to our Pentecost celebration here at St Swithin's. We're delighted you've joined us this morning and a particular welcome to any visitors who've joined us via the website. Beauty and chaos, they exist at the same time in our world. And on this glorious day, this beautiful day on, in Bath where it's very summery and life, there's life everywhere as we look around at this beautiful surroundings. We can think that all is good, all is beautiful, all is fine in the world. But at the same time down the hill, just down here, we also find at the same time as beauty that there is also chaos and brokenness as literary people are fighting for their lives in the IUH in this time of lockdown. Pentecost is a great celebration in the church year of the life, of the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. Bible has different pictures of the Holy Spirit. Some are gentle, like the Spirit coming on Jesus' baptism like a dove. But some are much more dramatic and much more powerful in some ways that are like fire and wind that we see on that first Pentecost. That meant that things changed and were transformed for the disciples. Something radically changed. Before Pentecost, the disciples were frightened, were anxious and fearful and confused. After Pentecost, his followers were faith-filled, were bold and loved sharing the good news and the experiences that they'd been through. The experience of the Holy Spirit transformed their lives and gave them the power to live and to shine brightly in the world. Today, I'm delighted that Nigel Scotland has agreed to come and share with us this morning to come and preach again. Nigel is an author, teacher, pastor and a lecturer and brings a wealth of Christian experience to challenge us about whether we really want to experience God's transforming power this morning. Because that's what is an offer for us today, to know God's transforming power in our lives. There's a little bit of disturbance on Nigel's video in the first couple of, mo couple of minutes, but stick with it and it clears up after that. So let me pray as we begin. Father God, thank you that you don't leave us alone, that you are God with us. Thank you that you keep your promises for those who wait on you. Thank you that you continue to pour your life-giving spirit upon us. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, everybody. So this morning in Pentecost, we're going to join in a poem together, and that's going to involve you doing some actions in the chorus after I've read the verses. So I'm going to teach you the actions just briefly. The first is this. We have to make the wind blow. So wave your hands in the air like the wind. Then we have to make the fire glow so we're going to use our hands to be flames then we're going to take the words from your lips that's God's lips take the words from your lips and we're going to put them on our lips and touch our lips with them and then and then as I say and speak them out to the whole world we're going to make the shape of the world make the wind blow make the fire glow take the words of your lips and put them on our lips and speak them out to the whole world. So let's say this poem uh, together. It's called Make the Wind Blow and it's based on Acts chapter two. 
Jesus's friends were watching and praying, praying for the present he promised, praying together in the city of Jerusalem, praying at Pentecost. Jesus's friends were watching and praying when all of a sudden their prayers were answered. They heard the roar of a rushing wind and tongues of fire licked their heads. Make the wind blow, make the fire glow. Take the words from your lips and put them on our lips and speak them out to the whole of the world. Jesus's friends were watching and praying when the Holy Spirit did blow, filled them and thrilled them and spilled right out of them with words they did not know. What's going on? asked the people of Jerusalem. What can this possibly mean? These are plain Galileans, ordinary folk speaking words they could never have learned. Make the wind blow, make the fire glow. Take the words from your lips and put them on our lips and speak them out to the whole world. We come from the north, from the south and the east. We come from all over the world. Yet we all understand the things that they say as they tell out the wonders of God. But some of the crowd were not so impressed. Some even said they were drunk. And that's when Peter, Jesus's friend, stood up and put them right. Make the wind blow, make the fire glow. Take the words from your lips and put them on our lips and speak them out to the whole of the world. Filled with wine, he said, not likely, but we're filled with something else. Filled with God's own Holy Spirit, the power the prophets promised. And how did this happen? asked Peter. I'll tell you plain and true. This is the gift of Jesus, the Messiah, whom you killed just six weeks ago. Make the wind blow, make the fire glow, take the words from your lips and put them on our lips and speak them out to the whole of the world. The people were sorry and sad and ashamed and they cried, what can we do? Repent and be baptised, said Peter, and this gift will come to you. So the people repented and were baptised, 3,000 people or so. And the word spread from there to the rest of Judea and on to the rest of the world. Make the wind blow, make the fire glow. Take the words from your lips and put them on our lips and speak them out to the whole of the world. Well, thank you for your welcome, and welcome from our lounge in Woodman Coat on the outskirts of Cheltenham. And thank you so much for the opportunity to share in your worship on this special day of the Church's Year. I think a word that we hear spoken of a great deal at the present time is the word power. There's water power, electric power, solar power, there's political power, and power politics. Indeed, the Black Panthers in the USA used the slogan, all power to the people, to protest against the rich ruling classes and the, their domination of society. There is also girl power, boy power, people power and flower power. I guess we all of us need power of some sort. And above all, of course, we need power in our lives. The power 
often just to keep going, the power to cope with the ever-changing world in which we live, the power to sustain us in our disappointments and bereavements, the power to energize for business, the business of living, and particularly power to cope in these rather confusing and uncertain times in which we're living. Well, we're now in the season of the church's year known as Pentecost, when we recall how Jesus' unseen presence, the Holy Spirit, was poured out in power on the first Christians in Jerusalem. Pentecost was the 50th day after the Jewish Passover, and the word Pentecost is Greek for 50. And the church keeps this day in thankfulness that Jesus' power still keeps coming on the lives of all his followers, wherever we are and in whatever situation we find ourselves. In days gone by, Pentecost was sometimes known as Whitson, which was short for White Sunday, because so many Christians were baptized on this day and they wore white garments as a symbol of the Holy Spirit's purity. And as they came up out of the water in the baptistry, other believers would lay hands on them and pray that the power of Jesus' Spirit would empower their lives. After Jesus had been with the apostles and his early followers for a period of 40 days, there came a moment when he was finally taken up into the heavens. We call it Ascension Day. And in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 5 and 8, Luke records Jesus' very last instructions to his followers before he left them. Don't leave Jerusalem, he said, but in a few days' time, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The Greek word for power that is used here is dunamis, from which we get our English word dynamite and dynamic. According to Acts chapter 1 and verse 15, there were about 120 believers present when the Holy Spirit first came on them in power. In Acts chapter 2 and verses 1 to 4, we have a brief description of what happened. It says, they were all together in one place when the Holy Spirit came upon them like a sound of blowing violent wind, which filled the whole house and what looked like tongues of fire separated and came on each one of them individually. And it says in verse four, they all began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled them to do. Now it's not actually clear here whether these were known languages in which they spoke or where they were, whether they were simply speaking out to God in praise in some kind of love language. But what we do know is that they had very loud Galilean accents because verse 6 says that everyone outside the house heard them speaking in their own languages. Now every gift that the Lord gives um, associated with the power of his spirit is for a purpose. And we see here in Acts chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit's power was given for three reasons. And the first of these was the power to share their faith. The fact is immediately evident if we look at verses 5 to 11 of chapter 2. Here we see the Jerusalem people had come together from all over the Roman Empire to celebrate the Feast of the Passover. There were apparently groups from Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia Minor. There were people from Crete and Arabia, and also from faraway places in the Roman Empire, places like Mesopotamia and Egypt. We're immediately aware then, as the Holy Spirit came on them all, that from the very beginning, the Christian church has always been and always will be a multicultural, multi-ethnic society. 
the Holy Spirit was poured out in power, not just on the 120, but all this multiracial crowd who gathered for the day of Pentecost. Now, the most ex obvious example of the change that this power of the Holy Spirit brought on the day of Pentecost was Peter himself. Just a few days earlier, he'd been too scared even to own up to being a Christian to the high priest's servant girl. But now, on this very day, everything was changed. According to verse 14, it says that he stood up with the other disciples and fearlessly addressed the crowd. And just in case anybody thought otherwise, he was quick to stress that they were not drunk because it was only nine o'clock in the morning and presumably the wine merchants were not yet open for business. But Peter evidently spoke with great power because according to verse 37, when he had finished, the people were cut to the heart and it says that about 3,000 of them accepted his message and were baptized. And there's a reminder to us also that Jesus has empowered us with his spirit in order that we may share our faith with others. Many Christians, ourselves included, obviously won't be as successful as Peter was on the day of Pentecost. Nevertheless, I think all that the Lord is looking for is our obedience to speak out what we do know. Sometimes being said that many Christians are a bit like the St. Lawrence River in winter, frozen at the mouth. We may not be able to uh, ask, answer all people's kind of searching questions or queries, but we may and can simply say, well, this is the faith that I have discovered. This, I find, is what Jesus has done for me. He's given me fresh hope in my life. As I put my faith in him, I'm finding myself more patient. I'm a better listening or whatever it is that the Lord is doing for us. But just the simple ability to tell our story is one of the Holy Spirit's reasons for empowering us. And then second, we see here that the Holy Spirit empowers us to worship. Verse 42 tells us, uh, 42 of chapter 2 of Acts tells us that their uh, worship consisted of four ingredients. The apostles' teaching, in other words, the New Testament, in fact, the Swiss theologian Emil Brunner, Emil Brunner used to say, let us read the Bible constantly, thinking of our daily lives, and let us live our daily lives thinking constantly of the Bible. Then there was fellowship, which means quite simply, keeping a regular contact with friends and other Christians and learning from each other. Probably this is particularly important in this time of lockdown. Bread breaking or breaking of bread refers quite simply to the sharing of the bread and wine of communion or the Lord's Supper. This was something that the early Christians did in small groups in their own homes and probably we should be doing the same. And finally, there is prayer. We need to pray as often as we can, both on our own and of course also with other Christians. So the Holy Spirit's empowering will keep prompting us to worship. This doesn't simply mean our Sunday worship, although that's very important. It means trying to keep consciously close in the, to the presence of Christ in our lives. You will, of course, have heard of Brother Lawrence, a 17th century Carmelite French monk, who discovered that the most basic worship was simply delighting in the Lord's presence in the monastery kitchens where he served the brothers. Later, he wrote a little booklet called The Practice of the Presence of God, which has since become something of a classic. So worship is not just Sunday worship in a public building 
it's our whole lives offered to the Lord in service uh, and dedication. So it's clear from this that the Holy Spirit empowers us, secondly, to share Jesus' message and also here to worship him. And worship, of course, leads to practical service. Indeed, it could be said that worship is practical service. And if we look on in chapter 2, we see that the Holy Spirit empowered these early Christian disciples in Jerusalem to serve others. In verses 44 to 46, at the end of chapter 2, we get a wonderful glimpse of this community serving and caring for one another in Jerusalem. And they illustrate some other words of Emil Brunner. Where the Holy Spirit is, there is community. So if church members are being drawn together in bonds of love and are serving one another, we can be pretty sure that the power of the Spirit is coming upon them. I think if we stop for a moment and ask ourselves, well, who are the Christians, you know, the men and women that we meet on the streets, who would they really respect? I suspect most of them would answer Mother Teresa of Calcutta, or perhaps Archbishop Desmond Tutu, or maybe Thomas Bernardo, or the Salvation Army, or the street preachers. Why these people? Well, because those are the people who serve. They're the ones, the Christians, who really serve and care about other people. William Temple, a former Archbishop of Canterbury, once wrote, Christians whose religion is a reality will be generous to the weak, sympathetic to the poor, and their individual action will alleviate the pressure of social ills. I think one of the things that we've all been learning during these recent days of lockdown is the vital importance of watching out for each other, of serving each other, of doing practical things to help one another. I think it was Mother Teresa who said, little, uh, little tasks done with great love forwards the kingdom of God. I was reading as I was preparing this about one persecuting Roman emperor in the second century who expressed his shame that the Christians of Rome were not only supporting their own needy, but half of the believers in the city of Rome. Well, I think probably just from these few brief insights, it's abundantly clear that the early Christians in Jerusalem were empowered by the Holy Spirit. They followed Jesus' instruction in Acts chapter 1, and they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and Jesus' brothers. And so I think we need to remind ourselves on this special day that like those first Christians in Jerusalem, we should be those who are waiting on God for his spirit to fill us. In fact, in Luke's gospel, chapter 11, verse 13, we have Jesus' promise. How much more will my heavenly father give his Holy Spirit to those who go on asking. And so in view of the fact that today is Pentecost Sunday, I think it seems right that we should pray for the Holy Spirit to be filling every aspect of our lives and fellowship in new and powerful ways. And so I'm going to suggest now, as we come to a conclusion, that perhaps we could just remain sitting just for a few moments as they sat on this day of Pentecost, and just wait in quietness for a moment or two and ask the Spirit of God to empower us, perhaps impact us in new ways. And then I'll just say a short prayer and we can be still and just allow the Holy Spirit to fill out every part of our lives.
let's just take a moment of quiet and try to picture Jesus with his hands outstretched, wanting to bless us, wanting to ensure that his spirit, which is in us, fills out, fills every part of our lives. On this Pentecost Sunday, we thank you, Jesus, for the gift of your Holy Spirit in all your people. May your presence impact every aspect of our lives, especially those hidden areas known only to us. Empower us in new ways, we pray, to share our faith, to worship and walk with you through each day, and to serve and bless others in words of hope, consolation, and encouragement, and in acts of love. Come, Lord Jesus, come.